0: Father, it is an opportunity to hear truth, to understand truth. We thank you that only truth is spoken in your name. So we honor you and we love you for that, Father. In in an atmosphere of nothing but lies and exaggerations, your people rise up with truth. So we thank you for the awesome truth of your gospel and of your word. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen, amen. So that's why the, the, uh, uh, Bible and, and throughout church history, the gathering place of the righteous is called a sanctuary. A sanctuary is a safe place for certain things. And so we have a safe place for the truth of God's Word in this sanctuary and i think that's always good there needs to be a place a refuge where people can come and hear the truth and so it's it's always good to know that god establishes the church for that purpose you know that we would be ones who would carry the truth of his word throughout the earth so it's an awesome uh privilege and responsibility to be a part of that and so just remember this is a place where people can come and and only the truth is spoken. Amen. To the best of our ability. And so and God's spirit verifies what we say. So it's it's a blessing, it really, really is, to have a place where you know. God is ordained where He is in control and He is the one who can tell you what exactly is going on, uh, in this world. So much information <clears throat> is available in the world today. Uh, it's good and it's bad. You know, one thing it makes, uh, information available to everybody so it puts you all on a level playing field. But also there is the, the, um, problem of, uh, not having truth in all quarters. And so all Always remember that god's word is truth and when his word is preached that is our opportunity to partake of the truth or in in jesus name so okay today we're going to talk about the reward of the faithful i i promised that i would speak on this uh, god gave me a prophecy friday night which i posted on facebook i post i put a teaching on there every night um uh you know some around my bedtime which is well it would be early if i went to bed at that time but usually around 11 and midnight somewhere around there i do post uh what god gives me to post and so friday uh, he gave me uh this prophecy which i i really want to encourage you to uh Understand it and listen to it. So I guess uh, maybe we can all have tapes today or something. If you want to get them, they'll be on the front end of the tape. If you don't have access to Facebook, uh, posts are always up, so they they continue. You can go back to Friday and and find this one <clears throat> in written form. But the Lord is saying this. He says the reward of the faithful is in the earth, sent from heaven to those who have stood fast. Through adversity and trial just to please me. Many have gathered their own reward which is so small compared to the great reward I have for the faithful. To my faithful one belongs rulership, command of resources, spiritual authority, everything in double measure. Have I not promised that the double would be yours? It is upon you now as your reward for standing with me in the earth, and I will not disappoint. Expect the double portion, says the Lord. And so I thought we would talk about where where this concept, amen, where this concept of the double portion comes from and what that how, how that's significant to god it's significant in several different ways and and uh, this is what god has decided he would reward us with at this time um, the <clears throat> double portion reward was first uh shared as, as far as i can see in the bible in the book of 2 kings but uh the concept of the double as as being um, uh, levied by God has a little bit older history uh, in in the Word of God um, in Isaiah 61:7, uh, when this was during a time of um, a discipline for the nation of Israel, but with the promise of restoration, and so in Isaiah 61: verse seven. Uh it starts with, you know, this is the one where it says the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good tidings, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And he talks about building the old waste places. Verse five says, and strangers shall stand and feed your flocks, and the sons of the alien shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. So this is a rebuke and a judgment against the people. Even though this this is the people living in gross darkness, but you shall be named the priests of the Lord. Men shall call you the ministers of our God. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory shall you boast yourselves. For your shame you shall have double and for confusion they shall rejoice in their portion therefore their land and uh, the their land In their land they shall possess the double. Everlasting joy shall be upon them. For I the Lord love judgment. I hate robbery for burnt offering. And I will direct their work in truth and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. So this is God talking about even in times of gross darkness there is a people that the light shines upon. And I believe that's his people who faithfully serve him throughout the ages. You'll see that that throughout the ages of man there have been people who faithfully served God And then there are people who just go about their business, you know, and maybe just ask for prayer or get in an emergency and get a little bit here, a little bit there, but they're not really committed to serving God. And so God acknowledges that there is a difference, you know. If, if you look at any church that you might visit or you might go to, you will see all different levels of commitment among the people there. And so God sees though who does what how they do it the intent of their heart do they listen to him do they obey him are they doing their own thing uh, are they just waiting for service to get over with so they can <laughs> go do something else you know i mean there there's all kinds of level of interest and uh <coughs> excuse me intent of purpose <laughs> <coughs> even among church people You know, the Christians who are called by the Lord's name. You know, there's, there, there are different effects that God has on people's hearts and different degrees to which they really want to commit. (coughs) So God is the one who does the judgment. In fact, He says here, I love judgment, which means I love my word. I love the standard that I I uphold through my word. I love rewarding people who do good. Don't think for a minute that God doesn't notice what you do, and he's not going to reward you for doing it. Amen? You've got to understand that. Because so often the (coughs) enemy will come and try and contradict God's word with some something that makes you think uh, you know people like to say things like when they're feeling sorry for myself God's forgotten me why is it taking so long doesn't God remember isn't God going to do this and so <laughs> just living in this world will cause you sometimes to put up a guard against understanding that God really does want to bless and, re- and he rewards not just blessings because you ask or blessings because you use your faith or blessing because you beg for them. But there's other blessings that come as a result of doing God's will. If it weren't profitable to do God's will, he wouldn't tell you to do these things. He's not getting us involved in something that's not going to pay off for us. But we need to understand when God is, is releasing these things to us so that we can, you know, drop the criticism, look for the blessing. He is trying to help us to continue to look for the blessing, especially the Amos 9.13 blessing. He's trying to encourage us to continue to expect and look for good things by letting us know, I haven't forgotten you. I haven't forgotten your faithful service. I haven't forgotten that you're standing and doing what I told you to do even in the face of adversity. You know, in the face of small numbers. You know, we have to deal with that as a ministry all the time. You know, I there are people that that would say we shouldn't even be meeting. This isn't a real church because of the numbers of people here. But I beg to differ because if God's Spirit cares to dwell here, I'm going to dwell where God's Spirit is. You you, see, you understand me? You just can't listen to a bunch of, of talk talk that tries to discourage you from being faithful to God <clears throat> and so we all have our different battles to fight we all have different uh, objectives in life but the truth of the matter is if you're not doing it for God and if he can't if he hasn't ordained what you do it's not going to avail you much anyway yesterday we talked about God having foreordained works, that we are his workmanship. We don't belong to ourselves. Even though we have the freedom to make decisions, you know, he tells us to ask for what we want. He promises to give us the things that we desire. All of that, you're not A lone agent out here just doing what you want to do. You wouldn't have a clue what to do with your life after God's come into your life. So we have to yield that over to him because he has the greater plan, the greater understanding. He knows exactly what you're here for. Don't let the devil ever convince you that you're not significant to anybody. Okay. Whether it's to God or to to whomever, you know, uh, we are significant people. Uh, we're significant in more ways than we understand uh, because of the Spirit of God that dwells in us. If He his, He is pleased to dwell with us, then that's what makes us significant. So don't ever think that, you know, and and don't don't sit up and beat yourself up about what you don't do. You, you understand what I'm saying? You just just purpose in your heart that you're going to be available to God more. You know, and start showing him. Sit before God and just not move until he gives you instruction. You know, not move until he tells you what he wants you to do. I know we all have busy things to do. You know, you have duties where this church is concerned and, and all of that. But aside from that, you've got more hours in the day than you can count sometimes. And <clears throat> those hours God wants to use for his purpose and his glory. So don't ever look at this as being all the there is to your service to the Lord. Please don't. Don't do that. Uh, let him have full reign in your life and and see what he will do. Uh, I was watching um, our little friend, remember Susan Sherub, the girl that testified, gave her testimony last year at the conference which she had her book. And poor little Susan, I don't know what what goes on with her, but she seems so confused and couldn't get her bearings together real good. But you know, she and I I asked her, I said, why don't you post? On Facebook, when you travel, you know, I said people want to pray for you and they want to encourage your ministry and all of that because God uses her. He uses everybody he calls. And um, I saw her, um, she had a post on there a couple days ago. She was on the stage over in Kenya jumping up and down and exhorting the people and they were all excited and everything. And and so she gets there and she does her thing, you know. Of course, she lost her checkbook again and lost her credit cards and was saying i'm just kind of stranded can you pray for me because you know we sent her money last time we pray i didn't have anything to send her this time so i did pray for her but she was up preaching again so god came through for her you understand what i'm saying and so these are the things that we have to keep in mind that if God puts it on your heart to do some things and, and there are churches there that invite her because they, they enjoy the word that she brings them and the encouragement that she brings. And so this is, this is the foreordained work, folks. These are the foreordained things, uh, that God expects us to do. And, and the, 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 trick of the enemy or the plan of the enemy to stop that will never work if we continue to do what God tells us to do so I see her over there she's still hanging in you know and still doing what God wants her to do and she's excited to be there she loves the people there she couldn't be happier you know doing the will of God and so it's a good thing to have that A spirit about us that we are always encouraged when God uses us and and don't grumble so much with yourself that grumbling will cause you to miss what God wants you to do and so you know I would love to have a church full of people but we got some empty seats here but I refuse to grumble about it you because that's not going to get them filled up and so and I I refuse to get mad at y'all because you're not bringing people you got me amen And don't get mad at me. You got me? We've got to stay full of joy and encouragement. It's it's not going to do any good to pick each other apart and blame each other. That never gets anything done. God's not interested in that nonsense. But what he's interested in is that we go out there and share Christ with people. So as much as you can do that, you get your job done. Amen. So just allow God to continue to use you and expect more from Him. Expect more reward when you're faithful. Expect to be faithful. God wants you to be faithful. So in, in um, let me see, we did... Uh, 61, seven. Oh, that was Isaiah. For some reason, I got first Samuel on here. I don't think it's First Samuel, though. I know it's Isaiah. So Isaiah 61 7. We found that we would receive double for our shame. Amen. Shame really implies the things that cause you to be persecuted. Like when you first think about approaching somebody to say something to them about the Lord, you're reluctant. Why is that? Because fear and shame will grip you. See, when you're outside of that anointing to minister, you're in the elements of the atmosphere that you're, that surrounds you. And those spirits are sent to stir up negative feelings in us to make us reluctant to say anything. That's why very little witnessing ever gets done, because we give in to the fear and the shame and the this and the that. What I tell people, I said, if you want those spirits to stop hindering you, you have to do something to break that. So many times I'll just smile at people, say hello to them, anything to break that cycle of negativity that surrounds people, those spiritual forces that will grip you. People will respond if you're friendly. That's what I tell people all the time. If you look real busy and keep your head down and just walking past people like they don't matter, you'll never be able to engage people And then when you do say something about the Lord, they're half scared of you because it's like, where'd that come from? You know, or you might meet some resistance and opposition. And so if you can just remember some basic things that keep an atmosphere of faith, happiness, joy, and encouragement around you, you'll be able to break through for people and be able to share Christ with them amen you will because you you are being a normal person then you're not somebody who's just wandering and wandering around and thinking What's gonna happen here? What's gonna happen there? You know, you, you already know, uh, what, what you're going to do. I, like for instance, I'll give you, for instance, this isn't easy for me, no more than it is for you, and it's not because I'm a minister I do this. I did this when I was a believer, before I was even called to the ministry. But, like, uh, I was in the, in the hotel this morning, getting ready to leave, I was looking, I found, I was gonna check out at the desk, and I went down the hall, and there was a young woman there, uh, responding to, uh, um you know, a resident in the hotel. She was looking for something for her. And she started coughing. I heard that same cough that I keep hearing from a lot of people right now. And so I thought about it. I said, well, let me get her a prayer cloth. Of course, I have that little, little crumpled up dirty one that's in the bottom. <laughs> With that little pocket in my, I said, no Lord, I know I've got something in here. I found two prayer cloths neatly fold folded, but I also keep the old flyers from the healing schools. So when I went to the desk, I told the young lady, I said, I heard you coughing. She said, no, that wasn't me i said are you sure i said i came out to the desk i said it look she said no she left i said well honey i have something for her and i showed us have a healing ministry i said these are she said i know exactly what that is she said i'll give it to her and she unfolded was two she said i'll keep one for myself i said yeah please tell her god wants her well and i told her i said keep this on your body at all times and i said I said, I can see that you sitting at this desk. I said, How many people come and speak to you every day? I said, You don't know if those people are healthy, if they're not, I said, This, she said, Yeah. She said, I'm gonna do that. She said, I know exactly where I'm gonna put mine. She and and it's an open door from God. Now, if she had said no, no thank you, it wouldn't have given breaking broken a sweat on me at all. But people want God why would you think people are going to say no and if you they say no don't take it personally you're not god they're not refusing you they're refusing him he's bigger than you are so let him carry that situation and carry that conversation for you so that you can zero in there <clears throat> And find out how to help God to meet that person's need. That's what you are. You're a vessel, you're a conduit, you're a helper, you're an ambassador. And so remember your job and just do your job. But see, there was a time where I would, I would not keep prayer cloths and I, oh, I wish I had this. And I, and I could tell, you know, the Lord was getting frustrated with me in that. And it's like, listen, just quit saying, you wish you had and do it, you know, cut this out. And so I decided I would start doing it. I'll get some more before I leave because I'm almost out of them. But I know that I always have something with me to minister to people. It's best to have something to offer people because we have these things we got prayer cloths take them and keep them with you you men put them in the back of your wallet women you know you got purses you keep everything else in there put those things in there and tell people you know i you know god wants you well you know i'm i'm gonna pray i would love to pray for you but can you wear this prayer cloth because it's got the power of god on it to heal you amen and that's a simple thing to do and people We'll see the results of God in these things. He's got help for us. You know, and, and you can, and if He opens the door, you ask Him, do you know Jesus is your Savior? I really want to make sure that you've had an opportunity to pray to receive Christ. You got me? simple it's not hard but you got to get over yourself you got to hump over this shame you got to a leap over the fear and so the best way to do it is to engage people just in normal conversation just in friendliness just in in being able to show them some love and encouragement and all that just speak to them. Say, hi, how you doing? People are shocked sometimes at when people speak because so many people don't. And so, you know, you can do that. Sometimes if you're wearing a T-shirt that, that has some scripture on it or something, that's another open door for people to engage you And con- Always wear your, your T-shirts that, that speak about the goodness of God. So these are things that are helpful. These are part of our witness. Uh, these are things that God wants to make it easy for us to engage people. When we go out and don't stay stuck in that that shell of of uh, withdrawal from people because of these spiritual forces that come against us, you're not fearful. That's just a spirit that comes to attach itself to you to keep you from the opportunity to share Christ with people. I know that the day. Uh, um, Uh, we were trying to dodge the rain that was coming the last time I went out. I think it was out with Lee and Ingrid. And I forgot we had those t-shirts on and and some lady was pulling out a driveway and stopped us. She said, I need, everybody needs prayer. Can y'all pray for me? And so it's that simple, folks. It's, this isn't a hostile against God world all the time. Uh, you know, people on television want to make you think that we're a hated minority and, but God always opens the door. I don't care how we're, How much we're hated by man, God always has people out here He wants saved and He wants to touch them with His power. The fact that you believe in, in divine health is an asset to you. You have a better chance of winning souls to Christ than the Baptists do. Because they all, they can only offer salvation. Sometimes people aren't ready to hear that. But they all are, are ready to hear they need prayer. And they need the supernatural power of God in their lives. They want a miracle. They need miracles. And so you're going to find this is very, very common. Like the old uh, Pentecostal people would say, um, healing is the dinner bell that brings everybody to God's table. Whenever you want people to feel better, you want them to, to leave disease behind, that's like a bell that everybody runs to. They all, everybody can get fed from that, that portion of scripture. So we have to remember that these things are on our side because we believe in the supernatural power of God. And He confirms His word with signs following. Amen. Just give people a word. God wants you well. Can I pray for Him to heal you? And, and I, I want to leave this prayer cloth with you. We've, it's been prayed over the power of God's on it to heal you. Period. And just you know, tell them the truth. Don't try to embellish it and all that kind of stuff. If you want to share a testimony or two that you know that God's done, you can do that. But, but pretty much people want to have something just straightforward, I believe. They don't want a whole lot of dialogue and conversation and Conversation will kill the anointing sometimes. You just have to sometimes keep your words few and keep it moving. So anyway, the Hebrew double portion, uh, we see examples of that. Let me see. We did the one about shame, giving you double. Exodus 22, why don't we go there. It's always good to get an understanding of how God has, you know, because you say, oh, double portion and, and, you know, won't be so easy to believe. But if you can get an understanding of how God's used it in the past, it gets easier. So it says here, um, Start in verse 1. If a man shall steal an ox or a sheep and kill it or sell it, he shall restore five oxen for an ox, four sheep for a sheep. If a thief be found breaking up and be smitten that he die, there shall no blood be shed for him. If the sun be risen upon him, there shall be blood shed for him, for he shall make full restitution. If he has nothing, then he shall be sold for his theft. If the theft be certainly found in his hand alive, whether it be ox, ass, or sheep, he shall restore double. Amen. So that double restoration was always levied against one who was found stealing. So if a person was found stealing, he would have to restore double for his theft. Uh, the Bible says also, if the thief be found, he'll restore what sevenfold, even to empty out his storehouse. So God had stiff penalties for theft, and part of that penalty for stealing was the double, paying back double what you uh, have stolen from somebody. So it's it's. <clears throat> It puts it in a different category even than than levying interest on something you know uh the the part that a theft was occurred carried with it an offense as well as the loss of property because if you think about it our our common law um, requires if somebody is convicted, there are certain prison penalties for stealing. As well as restitution, I think in most courts you have to file a separate suit for the civil part of it, you know, the civil being what, what is monetary or what value, uh, what valuables were taken, but certainly, and I think in most cases, uh, the uh, law enforcement people if if those valuables are found they'll give them back to the rightful owners anyway and so there's always been restitution for theft whenever god's law is broken he wants people paid back that belongs to you and if somebody has taken it from you, they have uh, offended you, but also they've broken the law. So the restoration was always at least double when theft occurred. Now in Deuteronomy 15, we have a, a little bit different take on it. Let me... Deuteronomy 15, where you see this concept of the reward of the double being levied in certain situations. So the double we see here is used as a penalty payment often in situations where theft or transgression of the law would occur. So that double brings with it automatically theft and, and you getting back. And see, when the enemy steals your dignity from you, for instance, if you, if you have to serve God, and people ridicule you for that, or you 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 can't go with your family on Saturdays because you are committed here, and they give you a hard time for it. Well, God gives you restitution for that so he give you it's not just you sit there and and people you know base you out and and uh dog you and and call you names and pick at you forever. God rewards people. For that, if you make a sacrifice of your self-esteem, your dignity, whatever it is, humiliation carries with it shame, and so God is is rewarding people double for the things that cause them shame. Deuteronomy 15 and verse 18, the um, the uh, Hebrew servant, it says here. Um, <clears throat> Verse twelve, if in, if your brother, a Hebrew man or Hebrew woman, is sold to you. So in other words, these people have somehow gotten themselves into some kind of debt or some kind of trouble where they have to be sold in order to pay off. Usually it happened if something something happened to that individual's property or something happened to them uh, for a number of ways. Maybe they've uh, not managed their property. Maybe they didn't tithe like they were supposed to and their crop failed on them or something. That was common. Uh, you could always tell the ones who were tithers, they had fruitful crops. They had, um, you know, cattle and all that thing in abundance. God opened the windows of heaven, but there are some people, of course, that didn't do it. And so if they would fall into poverty some way and have to be sold, they it was customary for a Hebrew to purchase his brother. Why? Because he was responsible to provide for him, but not for free. God has never encouraged freeloading. Even if you had to glean, if you if you needed food, you had to get out in somebody's field and pick up the kernels and glean them so that you could eat. And so it, it wasn't. It, it's he's never allowed people to just sit around and collect while other people worked for it. Does not God? And he says, if your brother, a Hebrew man or Hebrew woman, be sold unto you and serve you six years. In the seventh year, you should let him go free. So he could not be a lifetime slave to you. And the Lord says here, and when you send him out free from you, you shall not let him go away empty. So you are to provide something for him to get started with. If you're going to free somebody, they need, uh, some, some seed to get started. You shall furnish him liberally out of your flock and out of your floor. That means your your crop, your your wheat and barley, out of your wine press, of that wherewith the Lord your God has blessed you, you shall give him. Why? Because he's helped you create that wealth. And you shall remember that you were once a bondman in the land of Egypt. See, God never lets His people forget where they came from. It's a problem. A lot of people get in trouble because they think they got themselves that well. They think they 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 think they like you see these people. God gives them a name. They get on television. And they sell a bunch of books, uh, which they keep selling the same books over and over and over again from the same sermons they preach on television. You understand that because God's given them a name. They can capitalize on it, and rightly so. You know, He's given them what they have. But he, they have to be careful not to believe for one minute that it's their gift or their ability or their hard work or their intelligence or anything like that that got them that well. They have to remember the Lord. And so he says uh, and you shall remember that you were a bondman in the land of Egypt and the Lord redeemed you so God pulled you out of there. Therefore I command you this thing today and it'll be if you say if he says to you I don't want to go because he loves you and your house because it is well with them then you shall take an all or an earring and thrust it into his ear, uh, into the door and he, and he shall be your servant forever. So the ones who were free but chose not to be wore an earring and stayed in the master's house. That's how they were distinguished from indentured servants. See? That earring meant I have wealth and here it is and I'm free to go if I want to, but I choose to stay. That's us. That's us. Because you have two legs, you got a mind, you got this, you got that, you can walk away from serving God if you want to, but you choose to stay. God prefers that relationship than slavery and we can't do any better. Just like, you know, people who once they understand that they have, uh, ability to think for themselves and to, and they have, uh, gifts and abilities. They want to get up and, and have the freedom to go make a living for themselves. They want to sit and wait for the government to send them a check every month. You know, how crazy is that? You, you tie your own hands of being able to create wealth for yourself, which is what you're created for. And so God then, uh, allows them to stay and it says, and also unto your maid servant shall you do likewise, and it shall not seem hard to you. In other words, don't resent the fact that you've got to let this free labor go. He says, don't, it won't seem hard to you. And let me tell you why. And the Lord says, it will not seem hard to you when you send him away from you, free from you. For he has been worth a double hired servant for the whole time he's been there. Why? Because God's with him. Anytime God is with you, that makes you worth more. You know, we got to get this concept of God living in us. The the reason it's hard for us sometimes to grab it, we don't let him live enough. You know, we don't let him live through us enough to know our worth. See, the more you serve God, the more you humble yourself to him, the more valuable you understand you are. So these concepts don't get in your flesh. You don't get thinking you're better than somebody because of what you did for God. You understand that you're allowing him to live through you. Amen. It's not you anymore, but Christ who lives in you. And that's that's the whole gist of everything. And so the fact that you're worth double. Amen is very significant in the fact that God is releasing double to faithful people. You're worth double anyway. Because they get a human and they got God in human flesh walking around. And so you got to let the God part of you live more. That's, that's what I can tell you, and I think that's often the missing ingredient in our faith sometimes. We don't allow God to live through us enough. How does He live through you? Through your conversation. The way you, you serve, the way you treat people, the, the ideas you come up with. Always having ideas to make the life of the saints better. To make things better for God's people, to make things better for your family, to make things better for your loved ones, to make things better for your neighbors and your neighborhood, to make things better. That's how God lives through us. If you're thinking all the time when you have free time of where you're going to go and and how you're going to spend your free time, you're on the wrong road. Now you need to back up and ask God, God, how would you have me spend my time? Amen. And you'll find a much richer life all the way around. I can't think of anything that would take the place of the satisfaction you feel when you know you please God. You know you've done something where you could have taken that time and done something crazy for yourself. You take that time and do something crazy for God. And just be, just be sincere about it. God, what can I do for you today? And just sit there and wait until He speaks to you and then you get up and move. Amen? Get up and start doing. You'll find things that were problematic for you suddenly getting straightened out. Suddenly, you know, a loved ones, could, you know, call you up and say, you know, I I went to church today. I have not been to church, you know, all these years, and it just just decided I should go. You understand what I'm saying? That's the first step in them getting saved. And so, start doing more for God. And tell you right now, because people don't do enough. And when the little bit we do, we get all, you know shook up about it, and don't do anything for a long time. So every day you should be before God. God, how can I be effective with my neighbors? He puts you in a neighborhood to make an impact. How can I be effective with with You know, this person or that person. How can I be effective with family members? I want to be effective. And I won't take no for an answer. Amen? And don't give yourself a no answer either. Don't shrug off and say, well, you know, he just doesn't use me. Or maybe I need to grow a little bit more. (laughs) If that were true, he'd never get anybody (laughs) saved. A lot of us got saved by people who were less mature than we were. They just had more zeal. You know what I'm saying? They just, ah, Jesus loves you, all that kind of stuff. It doesn't take much. God just wants you to open your mouth so He can fill it with words. So God wants us to have the double. Be faithful. Just talk to him about it. God, what do you want me to do? I'm sitting here every day. I get neighbors all around me. How do I impact them? How do I impact them for good sometimes you you know put a sign in your window. you know the peace of God rests here, or you know some of those things we see or on your you know they have these um I was looking at them on eBay I think they're uh. Doormats instead of welcome say the, the peace of God resides here, or they have scripture ones that you can put right out there on on that you know your door stoop, and people will come up when they come up there, they look at that, and that 's your witness. Do something. To speak for God. Let Him have His way so that people will know that you're a sanctuary for them. You're a safe place for them. They can trust you. And will somebody look at it and say, well, you know what? I, I can tell you're a Christian because you have that. You know, I just want to share with you something that's been bothering me. Can you pray for me? You know, do you believe in prayer? I believe in prayer. Anything, folks. Just, just be a Christian. Be a believer. So find those things. They aren't expensive. I think I saw one for like eight bucks, ten bucks. It's not like anybody's asking you to, to, to spend great money. But, but do something to, to spread the love of God, you know? Get a pillow and sit it in your window or something like that with, you know, nothing is impossible with God. People look at that and they think about their impossible situations. Pretty soon, they see you coming out and they want to stop you and ask you to pray for them. It's very simple. But you gotta put it out there, folks. You gotta speak. You gotta let something speak for you and quit hiding from everything. Amen? Hoping they don't find you. (laughs) I'm a Christian, but I'm not telling nobody. No, but you know what I'm saying. You we gotta do that. Start thinking about outside of your little box. Amen. And your little box will start getting getting results faster in the things that you need. Trust me. He'll take care of you. So the double portion Is what the Hebrew servant was paid. They were worth double. They were given a hefty severance pay. They were given a portion of what they had, the wealth they had helped create for that individual. So they were well compensated for their work and for their labor. Uh, as, as a Hebrew servant after six years were up, the seventh year they were released because they were too valuable to keep in bondage. Amen? So God, we are too valuable to God's kingdom and really they were in debt. So this was God clearing off their debt as well. Why? Because they're too valuable to be kept in debt all the time. Amen? You ought to rejoice in that. God's gonna give, make you debt free because of your value to Him. He's—that's the only reason He's doing it. You're too valuable to be keep, kept in debt the whole time. Are you kidding me? Why would He keep you locked up when, when if He gets you free, you can do a whole lot more for Him. So he's anxious to set us free from debt and every other thing, every other trouble that comes to us. Amen? So this is what God wants for us. Now in Deuteronomy 21, it talks about the birthright double portion. So here we have the penalty double portion. Where if you stole something, you had to repay a double portion. That double portion, God reserves and he says he loves judgment. He loves making things right for people. So here it is, Deuteronomy 21 and verse... 15. If a man has two wives, one beloved, the other hated. Now we know there's plenty of them stories in the Bible. Rachel and Leah, amen. And they have borne him children, both the beloved and the hated. If the first firstborn son be hers that was hated... Then it shall be when he makes his sons to inherit that which he has, that he may not make the son of the beloved firstborn before the son of the hated. Why? Because she suffered at his hand. You think God doesn't see when people treat you wrong and compensate you for that? He heals you and he restores you and he compensates you. Amen? He puts you in a place where you can be well thought of, where you can be respected, where you can receive the dignity that humanity is entitled to. He's not going to leave you downtrodden and oppressed forever. But you can't get that on your own. you got to learn how to forgive people and let God handle things. And, and when God handles them, you can't sit there and rejoice about it either and say, oh, look what they got. They messed with me. You know, people mess. You mess with people too. So come on now. He's not. He's not throwing the hammer down on you. But he says he shall not. So the one of the hated wife shall be given. Her seed will be given preference. Amen. So the firstborn before the seed of son of the hated, which is indeed the firstborn. But so the the beloved wife. Let me see. Yeah, two beloved. The beloved and the hated, and the first son be hers that was hated. Okay, so she legitimately bore the first child, even though he has no love for her. But he shall acknowledge the son of the hated for the firstborn by giving him a double portion of all that he has. For he is the beginning of his strength and the right of the firstborn is his. So the right of the firstborn was always the double portion whether there was good feeling in the family or bad feeling in the family. Amen. It was his. So the the birthright double portion Belongs to us as well. Now Jesus is the firstborn of all believers. Amen. Bible refers to him as the firstborn of many brethren. So he is the firstborn of all believers. So we are joint heirs with him of everything. So that's how we can receive a double portion when God wants to reward us. Because the double portion belongs to the Lord it's his rightful inheritance from here to eternity so he decides to share it with us because of our faithfulness amen so uh so uh, god wants us to live in this understanding of our rights to the double portion in second kings chapter 2 we see a very popular story about the double portion second kings chapter 2 We see Elijah and Elisha. I'm going to start in 2 verse 1 because there's so many uh, points to make here. I'll try to stay with the important ones. 2 verse 1. It came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah unto heaven by a whirlwind. So this is... A backdrop of, of, this is the, the, what the writer is doing is setting the stage for what he's about to share. He said, this is the time that we knew when Elijah and Elisha, uh, he, Elijah was to be taken up to heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal, and Elijah said to Elisha, tarry here, I pray you, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. In other words, he wants to part ways with him. This is always a test, not for the, the elder, but for the student. You got me for the disciple. The, the elder will put the disciple to a test. You know, I'm gonna go do this. Uh, I'm gonna do it on my own. It's not gonna be pleasant for you. It's gonna be hard for you. You stay here. Let me go alone and I'll come back. And so Elisha said unto him, as I, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel together. So this is a test for Elisha on his commitment to God. It's, it, in difficult situations in, in, Difficult times, things that are hard. The leader has enduring power. You know, the the leader can endure things. I mean, if they're a true leader. Now, I know there's some flaky people out here that just put people to work around them and never do anything. I'm not talking about that. This man is going to go himself. And so he's allowing the disciple to choose the easy path. You don't have to go. You don't have to do this, but I'm gonna do it anyway. And so, if, if the, if the student's smart, they'll realize what their position and their situation is, and assess whether they feel ready, you know, to assume those duties. Can you, can you pray as much as your leader? Can you prophesy as accurately? Can you? You understand what I'm saying? These are things where students assess themselves. Now, you know, it depends on what you feel called to do, what you feel led to do. But if you're a true student, you want to emulate the leader, especially if what they possess has helped your life. And you want to... You want to take on those abilities because they are there for you as a student. A lot of people don't understand that. But that's how people get used in ministry. That's how uh, their understanding of the Word grows. All that stuff happens because they have been under the instruction of the leader. You want to make that connection and have that affinity. You don't want to... Be standoffish forever. Um, I got to have time with my family, you know, and all that stuff forever. Um, you understand what I'm saying? The things that that interfere with true discipleship are always tempting to fall into, you know, if you can. And so, you know, when you when you don't have that, when you don't have to make that break, it's best to keep that connection. You're free to, free to make the break. You understand what I'm saying? I think that's the thing that needs to be communicated to everybody. You're free to just go your way and, you know, whatever happens, happens. But if you have a vision for something greater and something better, then you have to make sure that you complete what God gives you to do so that can happen. And so, He makes an oath before this man and God that He's not going anywhere. Why? Cause he hasn't received the assurance that he has everything that he needs to carry out ministry. See, he knows that he's been, he's been hired to take Elijah's place because that was established when Elijah first called him to ministry. So if you're the person that's going to have to take over, you got to make sure you stay faithful as long as you can stay faithful to get what you need to get. I find that people who are learning Tend to want to disconnect at the drop of a hat, you know. They they're offended by this. They don't like that. Eh, you know, it's you, you can't make me. You know, it's it's always. Mm. And so those people will keep a distance from the leader. The people who are close have already lost that grumbling and nonsense in their heads, you know, and and just will let that. Lie so that they can receive what they need to have from God. So anyway, they go down to Bethel and the sons of the prophets that were at Bethel came forth to Elisha and said to him, don't you know the Lord is going to take your master from you, from your head today? And he said, yeah, I know it. Shut up. Amen. So this is, this is the voices that tell you it's not worth it to continue to serve. Amen. It's not worth it to continue to be obedient. It's not worth it to do the things that you do, you know. Uh what does that have to do with what you're here for? You understand what I'm saying? It's like, ah. And uh and so you're always gonna be able to find something you'd rather do than than obey God. You know, there's always gonna be something else. You know, even if you don't want to do it, the fact that you can rebel and say, I'm going to do this different. <laughs> you know, that's a freedom to some people. And so these were sons of prophets. Now what were the sons of the prophets? They weren't all natural sons of people that prophesied, but they were referred to as that because they were sons of Elijah, spiritually speaking, not his natural children. They were in training to be prophets. They were in the school of the prophets so they could understand their ministry. They could understand their calling. But you will notice that they didn't walk closely behind the master. They were off somewhere somewhere. And they came up to the pair of them and they got Elisha off by himself and began to whisper in his ear, this man's gonna die. You know, he's, a, you're working, you're here with a walking dead person. You understand? And, and so, uh, trying to put shame on him and ridicule. So here you see the shame factor coming in. And what did we just experience? As far as shame is concerned, come on, you just heard it. Huh? I can't hear you. No, no, no. You get double for your shame. Come on now. You get double for that. All of you who have had bad marriages, bad upbringings, brothers and sisters that ridiculed you, you get double for that now that you're in God's kingdom. So here we have him being put to shame by others who think they know better. So he's owed double for enduring the shame. If he had let them talk him out of following the man of God, he gets nothing. But he endures the shame. They, ah, you know, ah, yes ah, you're not going to get anything out of that old man. He's going to drop dead. He's leaving the day. Amen. So they came all the way from Bethel. (laughs) Amen. And they said to Elisha, don't you know the Lord's going to take your master from your head today? Now these guys could hear from God. Just because you can hear from God doesn't make you wise. Doesn't make you smart doesn't make you obedient and doesn't make you next in line for anything. Amen? They heard accurately. They probably had a way that they knew how to connect with God to hear him, to hear his voice. They were trained to do it. So they're just doing what they're trained to do, hearing from God. But did God tell them to take what they heard and use it that way? I don't think so. You got me? But God will take and make up for everything that's been misused towards you. Amen? He makes up for that. And so Elijah said to him, he said, nope, shut up. And Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, I pray you, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they both came to Jericho. And the sons of the prophets that were at Jericho came to Elisha and said to him, Don't you know that the Lord will take your master away from you? Now these men are in different cities, but they all have the same information. Hmm? So they're good at hearing the voice of God. They know how to hear from God. See, just because somebody can get a word from somebody, from God or get a fairly accurately word of knowledge or something like that does not make them a person of integrity. You understand me? A gift is a gift. They can straighten up long enough to hear from God. If you repent and get sin out of your life and get sin off your soul, you can hear pretty clearly from God. But that does not make your character what God wants it to be. Elisha is having his character developed so that he can carry the anointing that's gonna be necessary for him to carry into that next generation. Anointings are not prescribed like, I want this. The fact that Elisha is asking the man of God for this means that he's heard from God and he knows what it's going to require for him to have successful ministry. See, you ask for what makes your ministry successful. You don't ask for what the other person has that you covet and you wish you had that too. You got me? It should never be On a a level, the Bible says to cover the best gifts, not what you think that person has. You don't, you don't covet their reputation. You don't covet their influence with people. You don't covet, covet the attention that they receive because of the gift. You covet what they, what you see them able to do in service to humanity. God, I want to be able to, to pray for the sick and, and see you heal them. That's for all believers. You know, that's, that's something you can covet. But just to walk in power, I've had people follow me around for years. I don't know how you get that. I said, well, get what? You know, when when you walk by, I feel, I said, that's the power of the Holy Spirit. I said, it's available to everybody. I said, but I can't tell you that you can have what God gave me. I said, he gave it to me to do the work that I'm called to do. You ask him for what you need for what you're called to do. And usually there are people who aren't doing anything. They wouldn't give you a handkerchief if your nose were running. You understand what I'm saying? So why would God give them power? You know, they wanted to get attention. You got me? So it's, you find all kind of people like this around folks. You gotta know what God's called you to do and you gotta stand, stand fast in doing things. So here we have these, Elisha is being tested, his faithfulness up until the end folks you can't serve somebody as long as you think you want to serve them and then disconnect and think you're going to you know people do that all the time Uh yeah I was part of brother so and so's ministry you know he had I traveled with him and he had a big healing ministry yeah but you're not anointed to do what he was doing something's missing somewhere so you'll find all what kind of name droppers is what I call them you know so Elisha didn't want to be a name dropper he wanted to be somebody who had the goods because he knew what was facing him and so he says uh they they here they are at jericho same thing don't you know the lord's going to take him away from you he says yeah i know it hold your peace and elijah said to him terry i pray here for the lord has sent me to jordan and he said as the lord lives and as my soul lives so he's been tested three times to separate from the man of god before he receives what he needs to do his ministry power wise not goods not money not not a building not a you know a car to get around in you know a salary he needs the power and he knows it and so he says in the two went on And 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood to view afar off. So they're still following him. When you follow Christ or you serve somebody who's following God, the devil will only stands a little bit off to remind you. Huh? Why are you doing this? They're not going to give you anything. You don't even get paid. And you preach when they're not here. You should be getting some money. You should be getting this and you should be getting that. All the time. You notice they came up to him three times on the last day and then when they couldn't get close to him, they stood afar off and yelled at him. Amen? So they stood by the Jordan. The fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood to view afar off. And they two stood by Jordan. And Elijah took his mantle, wrapped it together, and struck the waters. And they were divided in two. So the two went over on dry ground. Now there will come a time when God will separate you from the critics, from the voice of the critics. Amen. you got to stay faithful to God until he makes them stop. So Elisha here has passed the test three times. A man of faithfulness to follow the man of God so that he will qualify for what God has for him. And it came to pass when the two were gone over that Elijah opened up and asked the question. You notice Elisha didn't initiate this conversation. Huh? Huh? (laughs) how many people go up to people and say, can I have your mantle? Can I Remember that little stupid move of religion through the body of Christ? All these people running around, I have the same mantle that so-and-so had. It doesn't fit you like it fit them, I can tell you right now, (laughs) because I don't see you healing nobody. I don't see you delivering nobody. You don't have a proper fit. And he, Elijah, the senior man of God, asked his disciple, what did he want him done for him? Why? Because it was time. Before it wasn't time for that subject to come up. Now it's time. And the senior person initiates a conversation. You notice the junior person doesn't start anything. He's just following. Doing what he's supposed to do. Stay focused on what what your portion is. And he says, when they were gone over, Elijah asked Elisha, what shall I do for you before I'm taken away from you? And Elisha said, I pray you, let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. He says, and he said, you have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken It shall be unto you, but if not, it won't be. So he has more to follow yet. Amen. You never quit following. You never quit following. It came to pass as they still went on and talked that, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha saw it and he cried, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and rent them in pieces, in other words, he loved this man and was mourning for him. He took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him, and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan and he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters, and said, "Where is the God of Elijah?" And when he had so smitten the waters, they parted, they parted, parted in the middle, and he went over. And when the sons of the prophets that were to view at Jericho saw him, they said, the spirit of Elijah does rest on Elisha. So everybody knows it. After it's done, they all know it. Before it's done, they can't see it happening. Uh, you better, you don't you, come with us. that old man's going to die today and, you know, he's not going to be here anymore. Why are you following a dead man? See? People don't understand the value in God's eyes of faithfulness. There's something God's trying to prove through you that sets you apart from everybody else. There's something he's trying to develop in you that is unique for your time, for your uh Work here on the earth for your gift, for your calling. He is trying to separate you from everybody else. Quit trying to cling to people that don't have a clue what you're doing, don't know what you're after, and don't have a desire for it themselves. You got me? You got to understand that there are many people that just watch you do what you do and, and could care less if you got it done. Their heart's not in it. But that doesn't mean yours can't be. You know, you can love them and bless them and everything else and still follow God and do what he wants because you don't want to lose your reward. You got me? Everybody's responsible for their own reward. They might not feel they want a reward from God, nor do they feel they qualify for one. Leave them alone. You go follow God and you go do what you're supposed to do. And don't let yourself be uh, distracted and discouraged from being a faithful servant. So the faithful servants are the ones that get the double. Amen. In Matthew 25, you'll see how God rewards people. See, everybody can claim a double portion, but you gotta make sure you're entitled to it. In Matthew twenty five, I think we'll start in verse fourteen. It says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants. Now these people were his servants, his possession, and delivered unto to them his goods. So he entrusted his valuables to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, another one, every man according to his ability. And then he left and took his journey. And he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made another five. Likewise, he that received two, he also gained the other two. But the person that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came back and reckoned with them. And he that had received the five talents came and brought the other five, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five, and I have gained besides five more. This Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord." He that also had two came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Behold, I've gained two other. The Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many. Enter into the joy of the Lord. And he that had received the one came and said, Lord, I knew that you were a hard man, reaping where you had not sown and gathering where you had not, um, gathering where you had not, uh, uh, strown, and I was afraid, and I went and hid the talon in the earth, and, lo- uh, and, and there you have what is yours. In other words, I gave you back what you gave me with no increase. His Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and slothful servant, if you knew I reaped where I didn't sow, and you knew I gathered where I hadn't scattered, then you should have put my money to work anyway. In other words... Your opinion of me as being a a mean taskmaster and an unjust master, if that's true, why didn't you make me some more money? I mean, your opinion of me should have nothing to do with whether or not you're faithful over your talent. See, whether you think God is, is, is withholding from you and being not fair or whether you think he's a good God and he blesses you. Your your activity toward him should be the same. This man let his screwed up opinion of God cause him not to give his best effort into what he was doing. and And I'm of the opinion... That people who aren't faithful, people who don't do as much as others do, in their mind some way they are screwed up as far as what they think about God. See, their idea of who God is, is is tainted and perverted. Somehow they think they're going to work and work and work and they'll never get anything. So that's why they don't do anything. Or they'll work and work and work and work and work. And God's never going to give him what He gives everybody else, so you don't do as much. so you have to be careful you're at It's like people who have what they call mean bosses. they're slothful, they want to stay in the in the uh the break room all day long and drink coffee and it's not that that person is mean or not mean; that's their opinion of it. See, this is what the enemy has shown them, and they think because this person isn't valuable in their eyes, that they don't have to work for them. But the Bible tells you to servants obey your masters because that's fit in the Lord. No matter what you think about them personally, God is holding us to obey them. He put them over us. We gotta obey. I don't care if your boss is no good if he's a womanizer or whatever you think he does. You've still got to obey that person who's in authority. And so you get penalized for that because you're not willing to obey God in spite of. See, this is where people lose many times in their faith. They lose its opinion of people in power that will cause us to lose every single time. You know, God puts over you the kind of people he wants. You're going somewhere. All you got to do is follow them. You don't have to like them. You don't have to like how they talk to you or to anybody else. All you got to do is follow them and do what God tells you to do. See, it's a test for us is whether we'll grow up and quit being babies about everything and whining about everything and just look through that and see where God is leading you and go follow God. Amen. He's not going to put somebody. People who are perfect don't want to be bothered with people who aren't. You got me? You know, sometimes people, God puts you in a place because that's where you need to be for you. You need to grow up in some things. You need to understand the basics of Christianity. You know, you get in a church sometimes and and you like everybody and like everything, but you don't grow. You understand me? So you, you gotta understand that God knows what He's doing. He has a purpose with everything that He does. So, you know, people have to be careful about faithfulness. That God wants people who can endure. And so God said, if you knew I was such a mean person, why'd you just give me my money back? You should have worked harder for me because you know I want money and that's all I'm interested in. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's the opinion this guy has. He says, you should have put my money to work anyway so I can at least receive some interest. And he says, then take that talent from him and give it to the one that has 10. That's why people who are what I call always in the flesh are troublemakers. They never get far in the thing, they're church hoppers. They go from church to church to church and then finally they just sit at home and don't do much for God because they don't know what to focus on. How to focus on what God wants them to do in a situation and quit looking at the things the enemy throws up there to distract us. You know, sometimes he'll use something, a pet peeve of ours that we see in different people, you know, to keep us disgruntled and keep us immature and keep us looking in the flesh and, and all of that kind of stuff. You gotta focus on what God wants you to focus on. And that is being obedient to his voice, doing the things that he has called you to do, period. Then you'll learn how to do it with joy. Then you'll learn how to do them without grumbling. Then you'll learn how to do them because you love God and you can, you're mature now. Amen? But you won't mature looking at, you know, people's attitudes and how they look to you and what you think they think and or, you know, should God put them in that position? You know, they shouldn't be up there. You know, all that kind of stuff. We gotta grow up out of that, folks. Because if you're gonna get the double that faith, faithful servants endure through persecution, through shame, through wanting to quit, through the leader pushing them away, you got me? To all of those things. Some people, some people function better if they're not too familiar with everybody. You can let them chart their own path in life. You can't tell people how to do things. And so God wants us to understand that He is always watching, He's always rewarding, but He has to judge you faithful. He loves judgment. He loves to bless, but he has to judge you faithful. This is over and above what you're praying for. This is over and above what you're believing for. This is over and above what the average Christian can pull in with their faith. This is bigger than what you eat, drink, and wear. in in what you drive. And so God wants to make sure that He understands you understand what He's doing in the earth and don't let the enemy talk you out of being faithful. Amen? All right. Well Father, we thank you for giving us understanding of your reward system in the earth. And we want to be called faithful, Father. We don't want to be thrown across in the in the scrap heap with the people that don't know how to focus on you and don't know how to stay obedient to what you're doing. So Lord, we thank you that you've given us understanding that the truth is always spoken here. So we love you and we honor you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen. Anybody needs prayer?